You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. And grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What a joy to be here at Hope Congregation uh, this weekend. I bring you greetings from Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. My colleague, Dr. Beverly Yonke, and the other uh, six pastors of our collegium, together with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, uh, make up the men who lead our group in, in aiding and assisting pastors and congregations around the country and around the world. I'm going to be telling you more about that after Bible class during the lunchtime. But enough of the formalities. Let's get down to business. If you're listening to the gospel reading today, you may have been shocked, as I was, to hear that after the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, the Holy Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Can you imagine that? I wager none of you would put any of your children into jeopardy and here we learn that the Spirit leads Jesus into temptation. Or did he? Uh, of course, the point is, <laughs> the text says that Jesus was led up into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the devil. And that's another matter entirely. And that really is our comfort, I would suggest to you this day, this first Sunday of, in Lent, that you and I have a Savior not unlike ourselves. He is a true human being like us, with flesh and blood. And he was indeed tempted, just as we are, in every way, even though he did not sin. And that is our consolation. In other words, he stood his ground in our place. And that brings us hope. He fought our battle, and he won. And that is where we find our refuge. Now, there are a lot of Christians who cannot figure out why things aren't going so well in their lives. They've forgotten that the Christian life, according to Holy Scripture, is a battle from beginning to end. It's not a battle against flesh and blood, as we read in the letter to the Ephesians, but against spiritual powers. The sinful flesh of ours, to be sure, this ungodly world around us, but ultimately, the ultimate enemy is none other than Satan himself, the old evil foe, the fallen angel who is the sworn enemy of God and of all of God's people. Jesus warned us ahead of time, you know, that things wouldn't always be so rosy in this life. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And so we must never forget that we are in battleground conditions here in this world as Christians. The devil has us in his crosshairs. Demons are attracted to holiness like bugs to light. And that means that you're in for trouble if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus. 
you're going to be automatically, by definition, involved in the battle. And that battle started a long time ago, way back in Eden, and you heard all about it in the first reading today. Our first parents didn't fare very well under that attack, as you recall. First Eve, and then Adam capitulated, and they got trounced royally. Speaking through the serpent, the devil first questioned the word of God, and then he denied it outright. First he asked, has God said? Raising the uncertainty and the doubt. Getting Eve to put God under the microscope, to call him into question, to put him under scrutiny to question the legitimacy of his command. I mean, isn't it tyrannical of him to forbid the fruit of that tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Ultimately, however, Satan directly, blatantly contradicted God. He accused God of being a liar and unfair. He said, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of that tree, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Mind you, Eve had been created in God's image and likeness. But this is what the depths of the depravity of that father of lies, the devil, will do. So Eve gave in. She took the forbidden fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, Adam, And although uh, God had explicitly given Adam the charge to be the guardian and the protector of his bride, he listened to her, he hearkened to her voice, he gave in, and he ate too. Now, the devil really isn't very creative. (laughs) He uses the same strategy with you and me as he did in the garden. Okay, and when we, when we come under temptation conditions, it all begins kind of in the same way. We think, no, wait a minute. God really didn't mean that, did he? I mean, he couldn't have been serious. I mean, doesn't he want me to be happy after all? Surely there must be some other way to look at this situation. And so we find ourselves in a very predictable condition. <laughs> We keep on doing the things that we really don't want to do as Christians. And we find ourselves not doing the things that God has commanded us to do as Christians. Even though we know better, we're under some strange compulsion to do exactly the opposite of what God has commanded us to do for our own good. For example, God decrees... You shall not covet. And yet there's that alluring tug of accumulating things for their own sake. I mean, it is so tempting. That house in the suburbs would be so nice. That, that flashy new car, the latest and greatest technology that money can buy, even though we can't afford it, it would be really nice to have it. And so things gradually begin to possess us rather than we possessing things. And then we know we've got the wrong God, actually, when we've sought our good and our worth in created things rather than the Creator who gives them to us. 
God commands us, you shall not commit adultery. And yet, especially in our decadent age, we find plenty of temptation to use these created bodies of ours as male and female for selfish ends and purposes, to indulge our own sexual appetites for our own pleasure rather than for the benefit of our God-given spouse. You shall not kill, God demands of us. Instead, you are to help your neighbor preserve his body and life. And yet, like everyone else around us, we find it all too easy to be oblivious to our neighbors who are in need, to despise the poor and needy, rather than to support our neighbor who is in bodily need. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, is God's command, and yet we find it all too easy to cave in, to, to exalt our own reputation, our own image at the expense of our neighbor's reputation, rather than defend him and speak well of him and interpret everything in the kindest way, we tear him down instead. In other words, temptation keeps coming day after day after day after day after day. That's the way it is. We're in battlefield conditions here. The lust of the flesh, the the lust of the eyes, the pride of life keeps getting in the way of the life that we've been given in Christ Jesus. And you can be sure that the devil will always do his darndest to ensure that we cave in when we come into that temptation rather than resist it. That's the battle that's been going on ever since Eden. The devil always means business and the devil always always wins except for once. And in the gospel today, this first Sunday of Lent, we're given a front row seat to see the devil meet his demise. The victor was one of us of our human flesh and bone. True man born of the Virgin Mary although also true God in human flesh. Jesus was tempted in every way just like we are, and yet without sinning. Thank God, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. It all started at the River Jordan, where Jesus was baptized for us. He took all our sins on himself and into himself, baptized into our death, three years later, paying the price of our sin, finally, once for all, by his death upon the cross. No, God does not tempt anyone, that's for sure. But the Spirit led Jesus up out of the Jordan into the wilderness in order to be tempted by Satan, like we are. These things, my dear friends, are written for our learning so that by the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. That means there is hope for every one of you, for every broken, wounded sinner here today. This episode in the wilderness 
brings hope with a capital H. Timely for Hope Lutheran Church, don't you think? No matter how bitter the memory of your past sin, there's consolation for you. Because your Jesus, you see, faced that very same temptation in your place and resisted it. Even though your conscience accuses you, Jesus jumps in, he intervenes, and he says, I'm going to reverse that. I'll be the sinner. You go free. For on the cross, your Lord Jesus took on himself and into himself all of your sin and failure. The bitter record of your broken promises, the abject misery of your guilt, is blotted out with his own blot. The perfect record of his perfect obedience to the Father's will, every one of his commandments has been fulfilled in your place by Jesus. And now that perfect record of Jesus is credited to your account by faith in him. The second Adam stood his ground, fought the fight, and won. And that victory is yours, don't you see? So now you can be sure that when your time of tempting, testing comes, and it will, every day, you're not alone. When you come into temptation, your own flesh and the world around you, the devil himself, will want to seduce you into misbelief and despair or some other great shame and vice. But in that hour, you can count on this, that Jesus, your Savior and your Lord, will not abandon you to your own puny willpower. For by holy baptism, he has joined himself to you and you to him. In yourself, you may be weak, but in him you are strong. And in these uncertain days, you can be very sure of this, that there is hope. There is a victory to come, because there's a victory behind us. In the desert, at the cross, in the open tomb, and in the washing by which you were made new by baptism into him, who is your victor. We can be sure of this, that he who has begun this good work of faith in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Thank God, even in these gray and latter days, there still are those whose life is praise, each life a high doxology unto the Holy Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.